Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and concessions. This is Zone One Digest, the show where I, Stuart Hardy, introduce clips from the best of the week on Zone One Radio, the community radio station for central London, and then play a song afterwards or something. This is the bit of the show where I introduce the first clip and then play it. And that first clip is from London Life, the show about life in London. This week they interviewed this band called the Vanderbilts and played some of their music. And here's a clip from it. So for this music episode we had our first ever live band um, in session. Uh, the Vanderbilts from South West London. I caught up with the band for a little chat. So I'm here with the Vanderbilts. Would you like to uh, introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Catherine. I'm Rob. Alex. Um, wh- wh- who, who came up with the name? Oh. Our, our road. Yeah. Live on Vanderbilt Road. So it's nothing to do with the really famous. American. I'm assuming that the yeah. road was probably named after them. So <laughs> we're, the we're kind of. Yeah, we're, we're, now telling, we're now telling people it's to do with the famous Americans, but it's, it kind of wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds quite political if you do it that way. Yeah. Um, so, where are you guys based? We're all in South London, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good little space down there. Most gigs we do are in the north, but. Sort of Clapham, Illsfield, Tooting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, South West, basically. So, near, quite nearby. Yeah, and, and you've got a gig coming up next Friday. Yeah, at the Half Moon in Putney. Yeah, the 15th of Feb. Just down yeah. the road. Cool. Um, so, uh, what, what have you released so far, then? Well, we put um, one of our songs, we basically made it free from our website, and uh, still can get it there at the moment. So, go to, go to Vanderbilt's, <laughs> the, the Vanderbilt's.co.uk, and uh, get the song Hey Mags. So that was what we put out there. Yeah, it's a bit of a sort of 60s number. Mm. Uh, we get told we're quite 60s retro sounding. That's probably the most 60s of all of our songs. Yeah, so if you yeah. like that kind of thing, then yeah, you should check that one out. And have you, have you got plans to record an album? We, we're we? in the process of kind of getting an album together, um, you know, in between work. And <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I want to get a few yeah. days in the studio. It's going, it's going progressively. Yeah, we're, well, about, we're about three quarters of the way through, aren't yeah. we, really? Mm-hmm. So. We've got a few more songs we want to record. So one of the ones we did here today, The Light, is one that we still need to record properly. What, what were the three songs you did today? Uh, so, what was the first one? Polaroids. Um, and then The Light and Who You Know. Um, so we've got pretty decent recordings of the first and last, but yeah, the middle one we need to do. Who, who writes the majority of the songs, or is it all like a team effort? Mostly a team effort, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got something different to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. It's definitely collaborative. I normally write the, the lyrics. Well, no, I do write the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So and you then, blame me for them, yeah. And everyone you know, comes up with different ideas and chucks something different at it, and everyone likes different music, so it's a real, mm, real kind of Frankenstein of a <laughs> sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we play to our strengths and just see what happens, and if it all comes together, that's just how the way it goes it's brilliant mm-hmm. sometimes so, it's really fast you can come out with a tune and, and it all just falls into place yeah, yeah. sometimes we have to work a bit harder to get it there <laughs> yeah. so you, have you got any plans to record a video or anything like that <laughs> yeah we've got a very high budget production in number at the moment um, so if you actually go to our Facebook page yeah the Vanderbilt's um, on Facebook just search there and we're actually trying to record a video for one of our songs friend yesterday 
but we're encouraging people to sort of film their own clips and send them in, which we want to use to create a video. So it's going to be a sort of team effort. So, um, yeah, I think we'll be doing that over the next few weeks. So if people want to get involved, um, take a look at the web, uh, Facebook page and all the details are there. Cool. I think I might take a little video. Yeah, yeah. Get all the guys in here to take one. Yeah. Only in different random locations. Yeah, we want as many different locations as possible, actually. So. Like, a mate of ours went out and he, he'd, um, he was a member of running clubs, so he got all his running clubs to do them. And he's got one in the sports, one in the sports shop, one in the toilets, one in the pub. <laughs> so that's you know. The, We've got them coming from Hong Kong and Dubai and places so cool. like that as well. Yeah. So yeah, it should be quite good. I'm chasing um, a couple of mates in America and my cousin in Australia. So. But we definitely need one in Hammersmith. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> Southwest. <laughs> <laughs>
London more it can be heard every week on zone1radio.com this is zone one radio hello ladies and gentlemen this is zone one digest the show that does stuff and things descriptive i know those stuff and things are playing some clips of other people's shows while i link them together and act like i'm better than them that was a sentence um, yeah, up next is a show you haven't heard before unless you have access to a time machine called Tech Talk. It's a show about kittens. Just kidding. In actual fact, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'll let them explain what it's about because I'm really confused. It, it's hurting my head thinking about it. What could Tech Talk actually be about? Could it be about hill walking? Oh, okay, here's Tech Talk to explain. Facebook.com/slash/zone1radio. You're listening to Tech Talk Fest with myself, Zoe Cunningham. Every week, we talk to a key player in the UK technology scene. So, welcome to my guest, Mark Rock, founder of Audioboo. Um, Mark, can you tell me a bit about Audioboo? So, Audioboo is really a, an attempt to sort of reinvent the spoken word for the digital age. So, there's been a lot of innovation around uh, photography, Instagram, and Flickr. Uh, YouTube for video, tons of innovation around music. Uh, it seemed to us that no one had actually taken the thing we've always done, you know, go back past the mobile, past the telephone, back past Gutenberg, and, you know, voice was the way that we exchanged culture and ideas and talked. Um, and that's been missing from the web, and our, our, you know, our purpose is, is to bring that back, bring that the power of, of the spoken word uh, among social networks. Sounds amazing. And you're quite a small company. What's your company culture like? Company culture is, um, what's a good way of saying messy? It's, it's agile. Diverse. Agile is, is yeah. the professional approach, which is, you know, we always favour um, get as many ideas out there as possible, see which one to stick. So I'm a great believer in failure. Uh, not a great UK characteristic. You go to the States, you know, if you haven't failed, then you haven't made it, really. So uh, we just try and innovate as quickly as possible. See what works. Um, leave the stuff that doesn't behind, and I'm famous for doing things that don't work actually. Um, and move on from there. So you know, uh, Audible was very much a accidental startup. Uh, came out of Channel Four Radio, um, and when they decided not to launch Channel Four Radio, we decided to launch Audible. Um, and actually, it was very much a side project. And it was only when the users started to use it and the Guardian and that, you know, we were, we were dragged along by the, the product rather than the other way around. What a lovely position to be in. So what's, what is most innovative about your product? What are the bits that worked? I think uh, we paid a lot of attention to very high-quality audio on mobile phones. So uh, for the technical economy, we were recording to flag. Um, the simplicity of what people want to do is just record their voice or their experience or their narrative. So we've taken an awful lot of the kind of complicated stuff of linking to Twitter and Facebook and iTunes and, and hidden that. That just happens. And all you need to do is, is record what you want to record add a photo, give it a title, and press the upload button, and, and it's gone. So it's simple for the users uh, to be able to access it, but what technical challenges have you had to face in order to create that simplicity? So we're, we're not audio people. This was our first mobile project. In fact, it was our first website. So um, we approached the whole thing very much fresh, which in some ways is probably a good thing because we had no preconceptions. I think the, the main one was scale. So um, Stephen Fry uses Audioboo. He gets about 60 or 70 plays a second. 
Um, so that's you know sixty files streaming off the server. So being able to do that when the, when we three weeks after we started, the Guardian started to use it from the G20 protests, nearly killed the server. Um, and this is this was so early we didn't even have our logo on the embed player. So they were embedding audio on their on their web pages, very much a, a kind of live radio experience. You know, embedding often embedding the police, the rioters. And you nearly killed the service, but they, they just kind of managed to stand up. So a lot of it's been the boring kind of, how can we scale? Uh, we get around 140 to 200,000 listens a day. You know, it's an awful lot of files to serve, so it's been the really boring stuff in background. The databases, the load balancing, and all that kind of stuff. And do you, do you have a kind of technical team who works on that? Yeah, so we've, we've, it, we've always done most things in-house, and actually uh, we were very much an engineering company to begin with, so uh, CTO uh, John Destrover is the guy that developed CoverFlow, so if you've got an iPhone or a, or a Mac, that way that you can go into iTunes and, and browse the library, that's his. So yeah, really good internal technical team, can kind of build anything. We're moving a little bit beyond that now because we've, we've done a lot of the heavy lifting and... and, and edging towards more of a kind of media type company so doing the kind of partnership deals we've done like with the BBC uh, we've just finished one with Wall Street Journal so actually now we've got the platform getting the partners into Philip Tech Truck can be heard in the future at some point on zone1radio.com zone1radio.com Hello ladies and gentlemen and anyone or thing else listening I'm Stuart Hardy a massive snarky yeti man I host this show this show is about to end and I'm about to go back to watching TV like I usually do when I'm not hosting this show, so I'll leave you with a clip from In Good Taste, the Someone Radio's food show, in which they spoke to Michelle Rue Jr., TV judge on food and drink on BBC Two, and he spoke about molecular movement and foraging. If you think that sounds weird, that's because it is. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned to all the great content coming up every week on someoneradio.com. Here's in good taste. I'm here outside Le Gavroche, Michelle Virginia's two-star Michelin restaurant in Mayfair. I can't wait to go inside and meet him. So, Michelle, we've been hearing a lot about your revival of food and drink on the BBC. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've got in store? Yes, I mean, it's, it's uh, for those of you who remember Food and Drink, the iconic programme, we haven't changed it much. We've mm-hmm. just brought it up and polished it to make it more of our time. So uh, a lot of uh, modern recipes still got the core values of Food and Drink and basically having some, some great fun around <laughs> this, this wonderful subject, Food and Drink. Great. And you've had some good guests involved in this. We've had some fantastic guests because every, every programme I invite a well-known chef. So as I said, the first one will be Tom Kerridge and then we've got Angela Hartnett. We've got Mary Berry, the great wow, dame fantastic. of baking, uh, Rachel Koo and various other well-known chefs. Obviously in your career you've had the chance to work with some fantastic people but we've also seen you act as a judge in various capacities. For example, the Rue Scholarship. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with that? Mm, yeah, I, I love working as a judge as well, especially for um, when it's involved in uh, helping young chefs achieve their goal or, or at least get on the road to that anyway, to achieve their goal or to, to fulfil their dreams. And so, yes, it's critiquing, it's tasting, but it's also advising these chefs. 
The criteria for your judging, we've seen you act as a judge in MasterChef also. Are the criteria roughly the same? Yes, I think they are. I mean, it's being honest. I mean, on MasterChef The Professionals, for example, it isn't scripted. It's very much my my words and what I see and what I taste. Uh, so 100% honesty. And that's, that's important. And I do think that the public warms to that because they can see it's 100% honest. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. So the Rue Scholarship is on a par with that. And with helping these young people fulfil their dreams, what's the most important thing that you look for with them? Is it about the talent or is it more about the drive? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, the talent, yes, it's almost a given if you're a professional chef that you've got talent or you have something there. You know, you've got the skills in varying degrees. So we look for something else. We look for something a bit more. So some of that might be drive and might be a passion, you know, a little bit more passionate than the next one. Also, it's, it, it, I think it's, it's something more akin to a character trait mm-hmm. that I'm looking for as well. Something that tells me that this person is going to succeed or has got more of a chance to succeed. Do you think people are born with the talent to become great chefs or is it something that they can develop? That's that question of nature or nurture, isn't it? I mean, uh, I do believe that you're born with a palate, a very good palate, a good nose and, uh, you know, a good sense of smell and, and an artist's view. But then knife skills can be taught and recipes can be, can be learnt. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit of both, uh, nature and nurture. What's driven you to get so involved in bringing young people into cooking? I think that's a family trait. I mean, my father and uncle have always done that, have always uh, helped young chefs. And I, I definitely you know, think that, uh, that I want to carry it on. And uh, I've, I've, I don't see how, I, I, can't, I can't imagine not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's, very, it's an important part of my life. If you don't mind me saying, you have a reputation for being the nicest man in cooking. Um, is this always true? <laughs> you, you've obviously not seen me on a bad day. <laughs> I, I lose my temper and I, 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 you know, I can lose my rag. And it's because I'm a perfectionist. I, I suffer fools gladly. I mean, you know, mistakes can happen, but then you have to learn from your mistake. And, and that's, you know, that really gets me going if somebody hasn't learned from their mistakes and doesn't rectify it. But I'm honest. And if I see something wrong, I, I will say. Mm-hmm. But I will also praise somebody if I see something right. And I think that's that's almost a stronger tool than, you know, being negative. Taste can be heard every week on zone1radio.com. Zone1radio.com.